Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church this morning. Merry Christmas. We're in that season. My name is Grant. I'm Amanda. And we're here to get the service started for you. If it's your first time here, a special welcome to you. And we'd love to know that you are here. So if you mm -hmm. would drop us a note at hello at cedarvalley.ca, just to let us know you're here. You can comment online along with the service, or if you are here in person, just uh, meet up with somebody uh, with a lanyard in the lobby. Totally. And a uh, reminder for everybody, one of the best ways to stay connected about different stuff happening around here is Christmas season too. So th some of the things that might not even be scheduled, but they just kind of come up spur of the moment. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook. We've got a YouTube channel where we post these things and some devotionals. And we send out a weekly email newsletter on Fridays at the end of the week, just kind of compiling all the different stuff that's happening. This is a good way just to make sure you're staying informed, right? Because also if you're like, oh, I missed all these things, I'm going to say, well, are you checking online? Yeah. Are you checking our weekly email? Yeah. Yeah, so the weekly email probably has everything all in one spot, but definitely check us out on so social media. Uh, we're so thankful um, for your ongoing support here at Cedar Valley, um, whether that be prayers or your acts of service or financially. So if you have come prepared to give today, um, you can do that um, in the library or you can do it online at cedarvalley.ca slash give. Totally. And actually, like, especially this season is a, a season of generosity, a little bit more gift giving. And we too, as a church, we've, we've done really well, church, and, and your support has made that happen. Thank you so much. And we want to be able to end the year off really strong as well. And we want to be able to have that extra financial ability, frankly, to be able to bless needs as they come up. And this is a season where those kind of things do typically come up when people reach out to the church in need, especially after the floods that have been happening all over. We want to be uh, able to be financially strong enough to just pour out what we can do, church. So here's just that chance to be part of that work, part of that mission. And yeah, thanks for that reminder of just where it is online. One of the ways we are being generous, inviting everybody to be generous, is our reverse advent calendar. That's so fun. Super fun. Yeah. And do you have one? Oh yeah, you guys I actually went to the grocery store today and bought all the things on the list. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But you're gonna space it out then each yeah, day? Yeah, give the kids, be like, oh, here's your thing for Perfect. today. Well, because what it is, actually we have one here just as a little example. Ah, there's one is it is actually we normally revert or normally an advent calendar you get a little chocolate each day or a treat uh, my wife one time got me a lego advent calendar it was really fun that's cool but what we want to do is instead of getting something every day so every single day uh going up to christmas eve we want to give something back and what we're doing is putting together bundles or boxes of stuff that our local food bank has as a high need and we're inviting everybody there's a few other churches and mission partnering with us and we're just going to fill those shelves up to the rafters it's going to be amazing because on christmas Eve day during the day from 10 o'clock till noon we're gonna be driving through there with some Christmas carols and hot chocolate and we're just gonna be stocking up st. Joseph's food banks gonna be super fun these calendars are available online you can print them out or here in person you can grab them they're at the back lots of them force these on to your friends and family too like just everybody it's a really fun thing we did it last year too and it felt so great to like drive by and see everybody yeah. doing it and I love that so many different people in our community are involved as well not just our church totally Awesome. What's going on tonight, Amanda? Uh, tonight, we are doing the congregational meeting. As you mm -hmm. know, last week we had to cancel because of more storms and flooding, uh, but we are going to run it tonight at 7 p.m. So meet us here if you can. Totally. And we just want to be able to connect. We're inviting everybody here to be part of the di dialogues and discussion. We're just looking at what God has in store for us, ministry opportunities. We're coming out of a long season of transition. There's still more stuff to be done, but we just want to let you know what's going on, have you involved in that conversation. So some reporting, some dialogue, uh, just a good time of prayer and worship too. Yeah, lots of yeah. transitions. All right, we're going to get the service started here. Uh, we're going to have some amazing worship. So that'll be recorded live or um, here in person. 
There'll be lyrics on the screen, so please stand up, sit down, join us whatever way you feel comfortable, and we'll worship together this morning. Totally. And after that, we have a special time uh, for church just for the kids. If you're joining online, we've got a video for you from Orange Curriculum. Really fun. It's called the So-and-So Show. And if you're here on campus, we'll be dismissing you partway through after the worship. Uh, you can head to the back, kids. If you have a name tag, uh, that's perfect. You need to be signed in. If uh, Parents, if you don't know what's kind of going on at the whole check-in station, find somebody wearing a lanyard. We'll get you checked in. We want to make sure your kids are safe. Uh, and they've got a time of worship and learning and videos and fun stuff just downstairs for them. Perfect. Yeah. And then after that, Pastor Rob is going to be bringing us our first Advent uh, message um, that Jesus changes everything. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a great morning. Yeah. Now, here's a question. So we are actually recording this on Friday, so a little bit ahead. The weather's nice and clear right now, but there's snow in the forecast. So here's a question. I'll ask you even too, Amanda, and ask all of you. Uh, it's, you wake up, you look outside, there's snow falling. It's covering the streets, covering your yard. What's the first thing you do? Like activity or chore like what's your first response to snow well where we live we're on the side of a mountain oh, okay. and our neighbors have the most epic um, sledding hill so we usually will like head over there and uh, get on their hill because it's pretty fun Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it's beautiful. I actually like shoveling. I think it's because it's kind of a rare thing when you live out here in the valley. You don't, you're not shoveling every day, so it doesn't feel like a chore yet. It's a yet. novelty. Still. It's a novelty. It's still yeah. a novelty. Like, oh, good, I have the snow shovel for something. Yeah, so I enjoy that. But hey, if you're here uh, on per in person or online, uh, spend a minute, just turn to your neighbor, talk to somebody, comment online. What's the first response you have to snow? And maybe it is actually snowing today here. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> have a good morning.
What's up? Oh, don't talk to John. He's checking Christmas lights. Uh, they're not working for some reason. Wow. He's got a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Over 25,000. 
Well, why don't you take a break and help me tell today's Bible story? It's the story before the Christmas story. <laughs> why not? Well then, to the theater! There was a priest named Zechariah. I'm a priest, and I've been doing that a long time. <laughs> and his wife, Elizabeth. I'm his wife, and I've been doing that an even longer time. <laughs> they loved and served God faithfully for many years, but had been unable to have children. Oh, dear God. Thank you for the many blessings you've poured out on us. We are truly grateful. Truly grateful. But even though we are now old, we would still like to have a child. I have a rattle and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One day, Zechariah was chosen to go into the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. His job was to burn incense as a way to honor God. Mmm, nothing like the smell of burning incense. <laughs> While he was there, an angel appeared. Zachariah! Ooh! Oh, stay back! <laughs> I've got this burning ball of sweet smell, and I'm not afraid to use it. Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Hmm? Do not be afraid? <laughs> you disappeared out of nowhere. Who are you anyway? I am Gabriel, and I am here to tell you God has heard your prayers. Oh? Which prayer are you talking about? The, the, the one about the donkey? He's doing much better now. <laughs> your wife, Elizabeth, will have a child. Say what? It will be a boy, and you must call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will prepare the way for the Lord. <laughs> oh, come on. We could have a baby. We're too old. <laughs> Who put you after this? Was it Meshik? I mean, oh, no, maybe it was Ooze. Ooze? <laughs> no. I have been sent by God oh. to speak to you and tell you this good news. But because you did not believe my words, you will be unable to speak until after John is born. Zechariah returned home to Elizabeth, still unable to speak. You're saying I have big news. Oh, really, I do too. I'm going to have a baby. Oh, oh. You're saying, I know, an angel told me. Really? After a few months, or nine... Elizabeth had her baby. You know, all the neighbors think we should call you Zachariah Jr. after your papa. My Aunt Gertrude wanted your name to be Ezekiel. They call you EZ for short. My dad thought it should be Bob. No, John! His name! We'll be John! I know, that's what I told them. Oh, thank you, thank you. Wait, I can talk. I can talk! Yeah! I don't need your flags. Get out of my hands. Once again, God proved he can do anything. Zachariah and Elizabeth 
were blessed with a child in their old age, a baby who would grow up to be known as John the Baptist. And God had a very special job for John. John would help introduce his cousin, Jesus, to the world, and he would announce God's plan to rescue his people. The end. Good morning, Cedar Valley Church. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles, either like, you know, physical Bible or your Bible app, to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verses 1 through 20. And as you're going there, uh, I want to tell you that I'll be reading from a different version maybe than you might be used to hearing and certainly then you might have in front of you now that you've found Luke chapter two. Uh, it's, it's becoming a favorite among staff and others. We're gonna be reading from the Passion Translation. Luke chapter two, verses one through 20. And if you'd prefer just to listen in as I read it, I would encourage that too. Because uh, for those who've grown up in the church, this is kind of a familiar story. And even if you haven't, it's kind of a familiar story. During those days, the Roman Emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that the first census be taken throughout his empire. Quirinius was the governor of Syria at that time. And I love those little Bible nuggets that are in parenthetical sort of uh, spaces. Like, you want to fact check this? Like, go ahead and fact check that. Because that guy was there at that time. It's legit. Everyone had to travel to the hometown of their family to complete the mandatory census, verses four through five now. So Joseph and his wife, Mary, left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in the area of Judea to the village of Bethlehem, which by the way, was King David's ancient home. They were required to register since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped the newborn baby in strips of cloth, and Mary and Joseph laid in a feeding trough since there was no available space in an upper room in the village. And just in case you're tuning in late, that's where we're reading from. That night, in a field near Bethlehem, shepherds were watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever actually heard, and it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born 
for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by the miraculous sign that is this. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in the feeding trough. Then all at once in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the armies of heaven, and they all praised God singing. I won't sing it. Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's hurry and find this word, which is sort of a nod to John chapter 1 in this translation of the Bible, this word who was born in Bethlehem, and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they hurried off and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves. Just just like the angel said. And, and this was just the beginning. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this story again, a story that might be familiar to us, I pray that you would draw us into the details of it, even as I've just read it, that you, through your spirit, would move us to a different kind of appreciation and understanding of what this story is and what it means to the world. Not just then, but even now. And I pray that you would take this story and make it fresh for us. That you would energize us with it, particularly through this Christmas season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are beginning our Christmas teaching series this morning called Jesus Changes Everything. You may have seen that a little earlier. So, Jesus burst onto the scene. Though, as the Bible tells us, this is important, he has and always will exist because he has been and forever will be in constant, perfect, equal, loving relationship with God the Father, God the Spirit, as God the Son. Jesus was, as older English translations of the Bible put it, in John 3.16 particularly, begotten, which is like a super key word. The word begotten is translated from the Greek word monogenes, which you'll see here. So begotten becomes monogenes, or rather vice versa. We get begotten from the Greek word monogenes. Do you see it there? Mono meaning one and genes meaning kind. Or in English, genes, right? We'd read it that way, which of course we get the word genetic. John used this word monogenes in his biography of Jesus to 
highlight an important point. That is that Jesus is uniquely God's son as sharing the exact same divine nature as God, as being the only one of his kind, setting him apart from believers in him who are and are called sons and daughters of God, but through adoption. Jesus is God's one and only son, as later English translations of the Bible put it, which might remind you of a teaching series we did last year, Jesus the one and only. All of this fabulous theology and word study is to the point. When Jesus burst onto the scene, it was no ordinary birth announcement or gender reveal party. An angel lit the evening sky, dark, not anymore, and made the announcement to a cluster of common shepherds watching their fleeks, their fleeks, wow, that's a word mash, their flocks of sheep. They were terrified, like, who would not be? Then again, out of nowhere, a company of angels appeared and burst into this spontaneous song about Jesus as God's hope for humankind, quoting again, glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. So, boom, lights, boom, noise. Then the shepherds, off to find Mary and Joseph and Jesus, just as the angel said it would be, it was a miracle. It was astonishing. And to Mary, it was the beginning of a kind of wonder. Shepherds ecstatic and glorifying God in the end. I like to think that my parents were reasonably happy when they had me. And I was ecstatic and thanked God for the births of my kids. But angels and lights and noise and astonishing miraculous predictions come true. Not so much. It's as if time stood still when Jesus burst onto the scene. And it kind of did. His birth became a time marker. As one science writer puts it, the idea of counting years has been around for as long as we've had written records, but the idea of syncing up where everyone starts counting is relatively new. Today, the international standard is to designate years based on a traditional reckoning of what? The year Jesus was born, the AD and the BC system. AD stands for, as many of you know, Anno Domina, which is Latin for in the year of the Lord and refers specifically to the birth of Jesus Christ. BC stands for before Christ. In English, it is common for A.D. to precede the year, so that the translation of A.D. 2014, for instance, would read, in the year of our Lord, 2014. In recent years, an alternative form of B.C. A.D. has gained traction. Many publications use C.E. or Common Era and B.C.E. or Before the Common Era. But even CE and BCE are simply secular ways of saying the same thing. That the calendar of the world is set around the birth of Jesus Christ. Which is like, which is like saying something, right? In this year's Christmas teaching series, here's what we are saying. That Jesus changes everything. 
even from the date of his birth, which, as you know, and not so coincidentally, is an international holiday, which is also saying something. I'll tell you what my birthday is, and it is not an international holiday. It's not even a local holiday. In fact, I don't even take the day off kind of holiday. By the way, shouldn't that change? Like, shouldn't we be able to take our, our birthday off as a holiday? Or maybe more appropriately, maybe shouldn't our mothers take that day off as a holiday? Jesus changes the world. Jesus changes the church. Jesus changes me. This is where we're going over the next three Sunday mornings of December because it's Christmas time. And Jesus is our focus. It's in the name, after all, Christmas. So let's go. Who would have seen it coming? Born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, raised by a carpenter and his wife in humble Jewish surroundings, in Roman-controlled Judea and Galilee, never traveled more than 200 miles from his birthplace, a small group of simple followers, killed for violating the religious laws of his own people, never had political power, never built an army, never conquered any territory, never on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, and yet Jesus is widely considered the most influential person who ever lived. As H.G. Wells once said, I am not, uh, sorry, I am a historian, I'm not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. And as Yale historian Yaroslav Pelikan wrote, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible with some sort of super magnet to pull up out of history every scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of his name, how much would be left? Which is a great visual, right? Within a couple of months of his death, there were thousands in and around Jerusalem who became followers of Jesus. Within a couple centuries, there were hundreds of thousands of Jesus followers in the Mediterranean region who called themselves Christians or little Christs. In 325 AD, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Emperor Constantine within 500 years. Greek temples to pagan gods were being converted to Christian churches all over the Roman world. The Gospels, the biographies of Jesus' life and work, are the most well-known and documented writings from the ancient world. Twenty centuries later, roughly a third of the world call themselves followers of Jesus. That's 2.4 billion people. You know what you get when you ask Google about Jesus? Approximately 665 billion search results. In fact, a recent global internet research results studied by New York's Stony Brook University ranked Jesus in the number one position. And just for reference, William Shakespeare, I like to call him Bill, was ranked fourth, Adolf Hitler, seventh, Amadeus Mozart, we're getting to the musicians now, 24th, Elvis as a pop star, where do you think he ranked? 69th, good answer, Britney Spears was ranked where? 689th, though I hear she's trending somewhat since her Netflix special. Jesus has had a one and only kind 
of influence and impact on the history of mankind. Never a shamed online influencer. Now, Jesus' impact on humanity has been progressive and redemptive. And we're going to look at three different ways that is true. The first of them is this. If Jesus changes everything, he changes firstly, well, not even rank order, but this is just one of these things that he has had impact and influence. Jesus changed children's rights. In the ancient world, children were, a little bit like today, valued and vulnerable. There are too many biblical stories of women wanting and having children to miss. How important it was for the Middle Eastern family to have children as it relates to family and identity and security. But there was also a dark side for children in the ancient world. Children were routinely left to die of exposure, particularly if they were female. Lots of parents killed their infants as a means of birth control. Children were often sold into slavery. And in some cases, they were maimed so that they would make more pitiable as beggars. Not so with Jesus. Jesus had a soft spot for kids. He elevated their status and urged his disciples to protect them. When the disciples, for instance, asked Jesus about their power rankings in the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus' response. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, this is in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Catch that, right? Jesus called a little child to him. It's interesting to note that in Luke chapter 18, when parents were bringing their children to be blessed by Jesus, the disciples tried to chase them away because they had bought into the cultural norm that children should be seen, not heard. That the Lord, they reasoned, had like way more important things to do than bless children. Jesus called a little child to him. And more, he made the child the example for the adults. Little children don't jockey for positions or look to have power over others or worry about how people will perceive them. Adults do. Jesus was saying that these adults had to become like children, that adults have to become like children, indifferent to such things as jockeying for position, power over others, and how they'll be perceived, but also lowly in status enough to serve others, especially, and ironically, children. On another occasion, Jesus said this. This is Matthew 18, 6. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's pretty strong. Even with the hyperbole, the point is super obvious, right? Jesus is saying, protect the little ones. Jesus' treatment of and teachings about children led to the elevation and the protection of children. To this point, actually, a Norwegian scholar named Baki wrote a study of this impact simply titled, 
when children became people, the birth of childhood in early Christianity. Secondly, Jesus changed women's rights. The place for women in first century Rome was second, um, sort of like well behind men. Jesus' regard for women, however, was very different from his contemporaries. Some have even said revolutionary for his era. For Jesus, women have intrinsic value, equal to men, created in the image of God, just like men. Jesus spoke to women. Jesus spoke to women in a thoughtful and caring manner. Jesus spoke to women as equal to men. This at a time when it was forbidden or at least unusual to address women in public, especially if they weren't your wife. Think about how the disciples responded to Jesus when they discovered him talking to the woman at the well. He spoke freely to the woman caught in adultery. He spoke openly with the woman who had the bleeding disorder and tenderly called her daughter. Even though all this hurt Jesus' reputation amongst the religious leaders of his day, it just didn't matter to him. Treating women with dignity and respect matters to Jesus. He took women seriously. He called them on their stuff, held them responsible like he did men for their sin, like the woman at the well, like the woman caught in adultery. Jesus doesn't condemn them, but he also doesn't condone the things that they did that hurt them and hurt others. Women were among Jesus' friends and, and ministry partners. There are endless examples throughout ancient history of women being treated brutally then Jesus burst onto the scene. And 2,000 years ago, there's this incredible movement of women converting to Christianity. What made the difference? Jesus. And Jesus changed the rights then of all humankind. The idea that all humans should be treated with dignity was extremely rare before Christianity stepped onto the scene. As one historian notes, our modern notion that there is such a thing as innate human worth residing in every individual of every class and culture is at best the very late consequence of a cultural, conceptual, and moral revolution that erupted many centuries earlier around the time of Jesus. And in the middle of a world that was anything but hospitable to its principles. Read that last bit as people did not treat each other as equals and they were not inclusive. Jesus, however, had a way of engaging the excluded and the marginalized that was often, frankly, irritating to those in power. As I previously mentioned, he included children, he included women, he included Slaves, those who were subject to involuntary servitude. Slaves, up to a third of ancient populations, might wander into a church and have a slave owner wash their feet rather than beat them. 
One ancient text instructed church leaders to not interrupt worship, to greet a wealthy attender, but to sit on the floor to welcome the poor. Maybe because Jesus said to love your neighbors and love your enemies, which pretty much includes everybody. Maybe because Jesus said to feed the hungry, quench the thirsty, welcome the stranger, close those needing clothing, take care of the sick and visit those in prison. Maybe because Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do for me. When you love them, you love them like I would, and so you show me that you love me. So that Paul would say, in the end there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The first statement of egalitarianism in human literature, according to historian Thomas Cahill, Jesus changes everything. He changes the world, his influence, his impact, starting with his birth. Jesus was an activist and advocate for children's rights, women's rights, and really the equal rights of everybody to be treated with respect and to be included, especially those who live on the margins of society. Happy birthday indeed, Jesus. And Merry Christmas, everyone else. In a moment, I'm going to invite Pastor Grant up and we're going to break this down a little bit and pray our service to its end. So just hang tight. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much for the message this morning. And Thanks, Grant. I think that is a perfect start to this whole series of Jesus Changes Everything, starting with the fact that yeah, he's, he's the founding father of rights, especially for the marginalized. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was his heart. That was his passion. Coming into the world, feeling everything alongside with us, having those relationships, and, and correcting us where we missed it. We missed those who are on the margins, those who... Uh, were forgotten about and stepped over from our systems that we thought were good enough in place. And that happens today, yeah, constantly. Uh, yeah. Next week, we're going to talk about how that influenced the church, how hmm. Jesus changes the church, and how what he started is the thing he's asked us to pick up. Hmm. Good teaser. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Good teaser. Tune in next week too. Well, we don't want you to go just yet. Uh, mm -hmm. What we're doing, we're doing the reverse advent calendar. We talked about this morning, uh, just at the start of the service That's too. Right. If, you, if you aren't part of this too, you got to get on it. You can head to our website, cedarvalley.ca, reverse advent calendar. Uh, what we're doing as a church and partnering with some other churches in our community every single day through the month of December up to Christmas Eve, taking some items, needed items for the food bank, putting it in a box, praying over it, blessing it, doing it together, uh, friends, family, whatever it is. And we just, we want to fill the shelves of the local food bank to the rafters. But more than that, God's blessed us. We want to be that conduit to just pour out, especially we've just had natural disasters all yeah, around us here. Yeah, that's what I was here. thinking as you're saying that. Like, and an omission is giving food over to Abbotsford, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so like what we've got, you know, it's a season of generosity, but we want to like really live that out in like times when maybe the store shelves maybe seem thinner and there's like transport issues rather than feeling like mm. we need to buckle down, we're actually going to mm. pour out even yes. more. Yes, that sounds sacrificial. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Well, and that's Jesus' calling on us, yeah. is to do that, right? Absolutely. And that's the trust and faith. So here's what we're going to do at the end of the service. We are just going to ask you to join us in a time of mm -hmm. prayer. We want to bless what we've been doing so far at this point. If you haven't started, but you want to, that is totally fine. Like, just do a little bit of catch-up. We're on day five for this whole thing. We are. And, yeah.
So, so Rob, would you lead us in that? I'd love to. And just for those who don't commonly pray, as we explained even last week, this is just how we do it. We sometimes close our eyes. We talk to the God that we know exists and hears our prayers, but we don't necessarily see in the room. So for those of you that do pray commonly, just join us where you can. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, join us how you're comfortable. So let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, loving us in the ways that you do and sending your son as you did to be born as he was. And that great story, just so rich with points of uh, advocacy and activism around uh, the things we've talked about. But even the shepherds that you would have made this announcement to through your angels, they're like, who, what? Like super, it's such a beautiful, soft point of identifying because that's what I feel sometimes. Like, who am I that you would care for me enough to love me, to forgive me, to restore me, to give me life? It's, it's incredible. And so we have these 24 mm. days before Christmas that typically we call Advent and maybe even typically we might have calendars that remind us of what's going on through that time. And sometimes we get to open up a little window that has a gift. Like I was talking to someone earlier, a little Lego piece that ends up building something at the end. Or if you're like me, a chocolate piece, which ends up building something at the other end. Uh, just for us though. So. For us to this season, not either or, but maybe and both, we're deciding as a church family, and we're inviting our friends and family otherwise to join us, to put something aside once a day for the first 24 days of December, what we call Advent. And I pray that as we do that, we're thoughtful about that. A piece a day. Father, I, I pray that for those who are suffering sort of food security issues in our city, that they be encouraged by the food bank, that they be encouraged uh, by those who they don't even know supplying their need because we have much and we have much to give then. So help us to be generous in that. Help us to be mindful of our gratefulness that we are cared for like we are so that we can give. And Father, I, I, again, I just pray for those who would come, which could include any of us at any time, who would come to the food bank and just receive, that they'd be blessed by this, that somehow underneath that gift and uh, in the spirit that it's intended, they would come to you and say, wow, this is really cool. What's, what's driving this? We would want to be able to say, oh, just a fact. Uh, uh, the creator of the universe adores you and sees your need and told us to help you with it. And sometimes you might need to help us with ours. So thank you, Father, for this opportunity just to give back to our community and bless our folks for participating as they can and as they will. In Jesus' name I pray. Yeah. Absolutely, God. And we just continue on here uh, thanking you for this morning. And God, just give us the sense that uh, we need to live out these the model that you set, you set for us. Uh, Jesus, you 
hear mm-hmm. the stories that we're going to be reading through in the Gospels and seeing your lifestyle, how it impacted the world, and not just back then, but now. So God, just help us b- live that out. And this is just one of the few and well, actually many ways that we can be doing that. So mm-hmm. God, just be with us this week as we go forward, that we can just be a walking testimony for uh, the the light of the world that you are, that this season is about the birth of you coming and changing everything. And that there was a point in time that didn't just start the calendar over, but literally has changed every single thing going forward. Mm-hmm. You came into this world, God. Amen. 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 Thanks, Cedar Valley. Thanks, Cedar Valley.